Hello and welcome to QIC's QPod Investor Podcast Series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each Monday morning we invite our listeners into our Liquid Market Team's Financial Market Update Meeting to get a briefing on the latest themes impacting the equity, fixed income, commodity, currency, and volatility markets. Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, the 22nd of June. And Stuart, could we please kick off uh, today's Market Moments Update with an update of the big financial market events from last week? What you're seeing for the week ahead and what you're looking for across those currency markets, please. Sure. Thanks, Craig. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with some of the themes that have been dominating markets at the moment, and these should be fairly familiar to us now. On the bullish side for risk assets, we've referred to the immense policy stimulus across both fiscal and monetary policy, the undoubted improvement in economic activity the easing of social mobility restrictions and also light institutional positioning. They've all helped to support risk assets. But on the flip side, the bearish case for risk assets has included what's being termed the second wave pandemic concerns, along with the uneven and challenging economic recovery and an unhealthy level of retail investor participation in some segments of the market. So, you know, last week, we made the case for a more choppy market environment going forward, uh, following the extremely directional markets through the height of the crisis and the subsequent recovery. And the, the rationale was that investors would focus a bit more dynamically between these bullish and bearish narratives. And this is essentially what played out last week, with the early part of the week dominated by the bull case, uh, the reference points being the announcement from the Federal Reserve of the imminent commencement of single name corporate bond buying under the secondary market corporate credit facility, along with the very strong retail sales release for May. Uh, But the latter part of the week, however, saw the narrative dominated by the deteriorating COVID-19 spread, both globally, but especially in the United States. So weighing on the market there is a slower and more drawn out economic recovery as the pandemic spread prevents a return to normal. And this has been acting as a headwind to risk assets, but what would really represent a greater shock to investors is a return to lockdowns, which may be politically very unpalatable, or at the very least, a return to social mobility restrictions and delayed reopenings uh, across the economy. And we saw a bit of a taste of this on Friday with Apple announcing selective store closures in states where the virus spread remains uncontained. And this action by Apple had an undoubted influence in turning sentiment and uh, precipitating falls in US stocks on Friday. So in terms of the week ahead, you know, this coming period may see this theme amplified as investors are very sensitive to the recovery and there's an intense focus on these developments. And I'll, I'll quickly touch on the currency side of things. I don't think that's as interesting as what's going on in you know, the broader themes, but essentially there's still a high level sensitivity on currencies to what risk assets are doing across the board with some regional variations. And in terms of regional variations, you know, LATAM currencies were at the bottom of the performance tables last week, certainly weighed down by the disaster that is the pandemic spread there and defensive currencies slightly outperformed over the week. That's the yen, Swiss, and US dollar in particular. 
Excellent, Stuart. Well, let's, um, let's delve in a little bit deeper there on that COVID-19. So we start this week with almost 8.9 million confirmed COVID cases. So globally, it's unfortunately very likely we're going to hit 9 million cases this week. Brazil, I believe, un- I understand, is continuing to worsen. Uh, and I also understand that the US, unfortunately, is, uh, despite showing some signs of improvement, Stuart, is now getting worse. And locally sort of mentioned the second wave, we're, of course, on a higher alert with Greater Melbourne now considered a hotspot and potentially reverting around these lockdown measures. So with the Wealth Health Organisation warnings over the weekend, Stuart, can you give us an update on the latest and likely market impacts from COVID? Yeah, that's a good summary. Thanks, Craig. And I'll touch on some some of the additional facts there because you did mention Brazil and on Saturday they reported over 50,000 new infections. That's the highest of any country throughout this pandemic. And just to put this in context, that's over 50,000 for Brazil. Italy's worst was around 6,000. China's worst days were around 4,000. And Spain's worst days were around 9,000. And also, while we're on Latin America, Chile reclassified an extra 31,000 cases on Friday that were previously not considered. Um, And you talked about the US as well. And the five-day average in the US is around 30,000 new infections. And that's a rate of new infections not seen since early May. And, and the focus there is on specific states where, you know, they're in their first wave. Um, California is a really good example of that. But uh, we've got Florida, Texas, Arizona and the Carolinas. There's a lot of attention being focused there. And, and these states are hitting new uh, highs in terms of daily infection rates. And, and it doesn't seem like there's any flattening going on at all. Uh, in addition, you mentioned Melbourne. Um, You know, there are some other examples where the virus seemed to be defeated and then there's uh, uh, subsequent outbreaks, um, which is really to be expected. But we've seen that in Beijing as well. uh, And Germany is also seeing the highest rate of new infections in over a month. I think in terms of where the markets or investors focus is, um, it, it is very much so on the rate of new infections in the U.S., the curve is no longer flattened there. It is now re-steepening. Um, so there's a lot of attention being given to those states. But um, it, it, we're also seeing New York um, moving to stage two of their reopening. New York has managed to, of course, flatten that curve and, and it still remains very, um, very low rate of new infections. So I think there's going to be a lot of attention to New York over the next few weeks to see whether they're able to maintain that trajectory as they move to level two. Fantastic summary. Thank you, Stuart. Uh, Robert, can we switch please to the equity markets? Uh, Last week, I understand the global equity markets were mostly up, but the NASDAQ once again being a real strong outperformer. Despite those 11 store closures in the US by Apple that Stu mentioned earlier, so close to home as well, the Aussie market finished a week a bit of a laggard uh, despite those strong retail sales that uh, Stu alluded to with regards to Friday's output. Rob, how do we explain this and what can we see for the week ahead? Yeah, Craig, I think, I mean, generally, uh, equity markets are up around about 2%. Um, the NASDAQ, as you mentioned, was up almost 35 and the Aussie market was uh, was up, sorry, just just 1%. Um, I think what's particularly interesting, uh, at the end of last week, we saw quite a vicious sell-off into the close, which has actually continued a bit this morning. Um, and we'd probably expect the Aussie market to be probably open up around about 1.8% down. So um, I guess the, the lead 
for this month or for this week, sorry, is not looking particularly great. And Robert, whilst we've got you on the mic, uh, commodity markets. Uh, last week was a strong end to the week by oil, with crude being one of the better performers. And we also have seen gold recently performing quite well. What might be the big drives in the commodity space this week? Yeah, I think oil oil particularly was quite interesting. It was very strong, up just over 8%. Um, that was sort of being driven by one, I guess, uh, the OPEC plus cuts, um, confidence in those actually being um, implemented. And we also have obviously reopening demand um, increases. So both of those two things are quite bullish for the oil market. Gold was up, it was up around 1%. Uh, silver slightly outperformed it, up 1.8%. Um, but they both outperformed their expected equity beaters. So a uh, bit of um, demand there for the precious metals. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Beverly, can we bring you into the conversation, please, with regards to the fixed income rates and inflationary markets? Uh, is there any updates you can provide us on the global basis there, please? Yeah, hi, Craig. Uh, look, it's been pretty quiet um, in bond markets the last couple of weeks. Volatility has been uh, very low uh, and, and consistent with the other, you know, um, comments so far, we're in this sort of tug of war at the moment between, you know, what is um, an improving economic recovery, um, but alongside that, you know, these ongoing fears of, of a second wave. In terms of, you know, interesting developments, I guess, to highlight over um, the last few days, um, the EU Council met on Friday night to try and take those talks of the recovery fund forward. Um, they weren't able to find um, an agreement. There was certainly no breakthrough um, from that meeting. Not that markets were, were were not expecting that. I think the markets are quite used to this in Europe. That they're certainly um, you know different points of view. Um, we've got the what the market has deemed these frugal four nations: Denmark, Sweden, Austria, Netherlands. That are are the ones that are really I guess um, putting trying to put the brakes on significant amounts of grants being given to the to the weaker European sovereigns. Um, look, the next step um, they will continue. To to have talks through July. They've indicated that mid-July is probably, you know, when they'll likely get together next. I, I think, you know, what we're seeing here is uh, very much a consensus that something needs to be delivered in Europe and very much a consensus that this sort of 750 um, figure is is. Um, in line with everyone's expectations. So there's no um, concern about um, everyone on board with that. It's really just the, the makeup of, of the grants versus the, the loans. And I think, you know, we may see a little bit of jostling on that front over the next few weeks. But, you know, market's not particularly concerned at this stage. They're still expecting something to be delivered in the next few weeks. Um, Elsewhere, just to come back to the economic data, um, as Stu mentioned, we did get, you know, a, a number of different countries released their retail sales figures for May uh, and pretty much across the board, they were massive upside surprises. And we saw that in Australia as well on Friday, um, where retail sales for May um, rose 16% in the month. That's the highest month-on-month month increase ever, um, but more importantly, the level of retail sales was actually higher than pre-COVID levels. So we've been talking a lot about how we're probably going to see these quite impressive growth numbers coming through, through Q3, GDP, etc., but that the level wasn't going to be that impressive underneath it all. In this case, um, the level is extremely impressive. Um, and I think now 
what you know what we've got is very clear evidence that while the labor market stats are showing a lot of weakness and a lot of underlying weakness and a lot of you know people perhaps you know it categorizes employed when they actually were were not working or what not working hours the retail sales data is telling you i think the the, the truth underneath it all which is that governments were able to provide a significant amount of transfers to the household sector to protect their incomes through this and they're now you know spending that on the other side the key will now come and i think you know coming back to what markets are looking for next is the next stage everyone knew there was going to be this pent up um you know, spending when uh, economies reopened. But now it's going to come down to, and we'll get a bit of an update this week, PMIs for June. So we'll get a bit of an update in the US and also in the US. And this is where it sort of hits the it hits the road with um, looking at those order books, looking at those employment intentions and whether now coming on the other side, we're actually going to see those that rehiring happen. Um, so that's what we'll be looking for this week. Um, look, in terms of rates, views, nothing's really changed um, in our minds here. You know, we, we as Stu said, expecting that we now have entered this choppy period um, and certainly for this week it, it looks like that sort of second wave concern might dominate and that's probably going to take I'd say a few weeks to work through. Um, over the longer term we still think you know modest bear steepening of curves is is, is going to be likely uh, and as you know um, we're still holding our sort of um, sort of favoured medium term theme, medium term theme of higher inflation, which interestingly, you know, through all this, um, you know, concern, inflation markets are still making new highs here. So that you know, that's very encouraging. That underneath it all, that inflation market is is continuing to reprice from very low levels. Thanks, Beverly. That was an excellent summary of the markets there. Uh, Richard, we might switch to you, please, with regards to the global credit markets. Um, credit's been one of those performing markets week on week from your updates. And with that recent Fed buying program that Stuart had mentioned at the start, it'd be great to understand from you with regards to whether that action will see the pace of credit markets with regards to supply and demand continue. How do you look at the credit markets at the moment? Yeah, Craig, I think you're exactly right. The big news last week was really around the Fed commencing its secondary market credit bond purchases. And what's interesting is we've only got one day of data here and it's hard to put a trend too much in, into one day, but the early indications from that, that first day suggest that the Fed's actually not merely switching from ETFs into corporate bonds, but actually using corporate bonds to increase its daily purchases. And you know, that trend would be very, very positive for credit markets. But as you know, I stressed very early days there, so we're not reading too much into it. And, and you know, this is particularly true as the Fed's indicated that the buying pace um, of, of credit purchases would really be dictated by the functioning of the markets. So, you know, buying more when volatility is heightened and, and you know, the market not functioning so well. So, you know, that, that was really positive for markets. Um, and I think the other really the new news from the announcement last week you know they talked about um buying credit individual credit bonds in in march but the real new news was um really taking away the need for individual companies to self-certify so the certification process was seen as a bit of an impediment as there was a bit of a few doubts around whether companies would self-certify themselves to be eligible um for the um, fed to buy their bonds um and you know that was really around you know, issuers seeing this as a bit of a negative signal that they were sending to the market about the strength of, you know, that that individual issuer. So it's a sort of a negative self-selection, if you like. 
And so this new announcement, you know, really circumvents that problem. And, and as I said, was the new news and what really drove, drove spreads tighter um, over the week. So, yeah, all in all, um, you know, really positive um, announcement. Big takeaway from us, though, was that by delivering on credit purchases in the way that the Fed had kind of announced in March, the Fed's really preserved its 100% credibility here. And, and, you know, and this now gives it currency to intervene successfully during this crisis as we go on and also in, in subsequent crisis. And so it gave the market a real shot in the arm um, after two weeks of spread widening consolidation that we'd really previously seen. Wonderful. Thanks to Liquid Markets Group for bringing our investors up to date this week with regards to market movements, but also what to be aware of in the week ahead. I look forward to catching up with you all next Monday. Thank you for listening. Please watch out for our upcoming QPod podcast and have a great week ahead.